Hello everyone, this is Mostly Essays and I'm Petra Vernon. Today we have a Pulitzer uh, Prize winner for you. Her name is Idora Welty. Her collection of essays and reviews uh, is called The Eye of the Story. Uh, it is a collection of not too frequent writing and of nonfiction and it, it entails seven brilliant essays here it says on the art of fiction some of them with specific references to uh Welty's own works her intentions and her methods of achieving them further they are also penetrating and instructive commentaries on a wide variety of other individual writers such as uh jane austen ian froster uh, Willa Carter, E.B. White, William Faulkner, Virginia Woolf, Patrick White, Elizabeth Bowen, and others. Her essays under the heading uh, personal and occasional pieces range from such subjects as fairy tales, folklore, to Mississippi cookery, and uh, childhood reading. Idora was born in Jackson, Mississippi, uh, which is still her home apparently, and she was educated locally and at Mississippi State College for Women, as well as at the University of Wisconsin, the Columbia University School of Business, and she has short stories which have appeared uh, in the Bazaar, uh, Harper's Bazaar, the Atlantic Monthly, New, as well as the New Yorker, and other magazines. Uh, she's lectured as well as uh, read at a number of colleges. She's held uh, a professorship at Smith as well as a fellowship at uh, Branmar. She's also lectured at the Conference on American Studies at Cambridge University, and she has honorary degrees from the University of South uh, University of South at uh, Sewinee, as well as the University of North Carolina at Chaplin Hill and others. She's received the M. Carey Thomas Awards from Brain Mar and was awarded the Howells Medal for Fiction uh, by the American Academy, Academy of Arts and Letters, as well as a gold medal for the novel by the National Institute of Arts and Letters. And her novel back in 1972 was the Pulitzer Prize. Uh, it was called The Optimist's Daughter. So you can check that out as well. And today we'll read an excerpt from her essay on writing entitled Place in Fiction. Place to the writer at work is seen in a frame, not an empty frame, a brimming one. Point of view is a sort of burning glass, a product of personal experience and time. It is burnished with feelings and sensibilities, charged from moment to moment with the sun points of imagination. It is an instrument, one of intensification. It acts, it behaves, it is temperamental. We've seen that the writer must accurately choose, combine, superimpose upon, blot out, shake up, alter the outside world for one absolute purpose, and that is the good of his story. And in order to do this, he is always seen double, 
two pictures at once in his frame, his and the world's, a fact that he constantly comprehends, and he works best in a state of constant and subtle and unfooled reference between the two. It is his clear intentions, his his passion, I should say, to make the reader see only one of the pictures, the author's, under the pleasing illusion that it is the world's. This enormity is the accomplishment of a good story. I think it likely that at the point or the, at the moment of the writer's highest awareness of and responsiveness to the real world, his imagination's choice, and miles away it may be from actuality, comes closest to being infallible for his purpose. For the spirit of things is what is sought, no blur of it inexactness no cloud of vagueness is allowable in good writing from the first scene to the last putting down there must be steady lucidity and uncompromise of purpose i speak of course of the ideal one of the most important things the young writer comes to see for himself is that point of view is an instrument, not an end in itself that is useful as a glass and not a mirror and not as a mirror to reflect a dare and pensive face. Conscientiously used, point of view will discover, explore, see through. It may sometimes be divine and prophecy misused it turns opaque almost at once and gets in the way of the book and when the good novel is finished it's cooled outside shape it's what sean o Fiolan has called the open quotation the veil of reality closed quotations has all the burden of communicating that initial spontaneous uh, spontaneous overwhelming driving charge of personal inner feeling that was the novel's reason for being. The, pers- the, the measure of this representation of life corresponds most tellingly with the novel's life expectancy. Whenever its, it, its world of outside appears gro- uh, appearance grows dim or falls to the eye, the novel then has expired. Establishing a chink-proof world of appearance is not only the first responsibility of the writer, it is the primary step in the technique of every sort of fiction, be it uh, lyric and romantic, of course, uh, the realistic goes without saying, and other sorts as well. Fantasy itself must touch ground with at least one toe, and ghost stories must have one foot, so to speak, in the grave. Faulkner is, of course, the triumphant example in America today of the mastery of place in fiction. Yoknapatafa County, so supremely and exclusively and majestically and totally itself, is in everywhere but only because Faulkner's first concern is for what comes first. Yokanapatafa, his own created world. I'm not sure, as a Mississippian myself, how widely it is 
realized and appreciated that these works of such marvelous imaginative power can also stand as works of the carefulest and purest representation. Heightened, of course, their speciality is that they are twice as true as life, and that is why it takes a genius to write them. It may be going too far to say that the exactness and concreteness and solidity of the real world achieved in a story corresponds to the intensity of feeling in the author's mind and to the very turn of his heart and there lies the secret of our confidence in him. Making reality real is art's responsibility. It is a practical assignment then, a self-assignment to achieve by a cultivated sensitivity for observing life, a capacity for receiving its impressions, a lonely, unremitted, unaided, unaidable vision and transferring this vision without distortion to it onto the pages of a novel, where if the reader is so persuaded, it will turn into the reader's illusion. How bent on this peculiar joy we are, reader and writer, willingly to practice, willingly to undergo this alchemy for it. What is there then about place that is transferable to the pages of a novel? The best things, the explicit things rather, the physical is physical texture and its place has functioned between the writer and his material so it functions between the writer and the reader. Location is the ground conductor of all the currents of emotion and belief and moral conviction that charge out from the story in its course. These charges need the warm, hard earth underfoot, the light of lift of air, the stir and the play of mood, the softening bath of atmosphere that gives the likeness to life that life needs. Through the story's translation and ordering of life, the unconvincing raw material becomes the very heart's familiar. Life is strange. Stories hardly make it more so. With all they are able to tell and surmise, they make it more believable, more inevitably so. I think the sense of place is an essential to good and honest writing as a logical mind. Surely they are somewhere related. It is by knowing where you stand that you grow able to judge where you are. Place absorbs our earliest notice and attention. It bestows on us our original awareness and our critical powers spring up from the study of it and the growth of experience inside it. It perseveres in bringing us back to earth when we fly too high. It never really stops informing us for it is forever astir, forever alive, changing and reflecting like the mind of man, man himself. Or itself. One place comprehended can make us understand other places better. Sense of place gives equilibrium also extended. It is sense of direction too. Carried off we might be in spirit and should be when we are reading or writing something good, but it is the sense of place going with us still that is the ball of golden thread to carry us there and back and in every sense of the world to bring us home. What can place not give? 
theme. It can present theme, show it to the last detail, but place is forever illustrative. It is a picture of what man has done and imagined. It is his visible past result. Human life is fiction's only theme. Should the writer then write about home? It is both natural and sensible that the place where we have our roots should become the setting, the first and primary proven ground of our fiction. Location, however, is not simply to be used by the writer, it is to be discovered as each novel itself in the act of writing is discovery. Discovery does not imply that the place is new, only that we are. Place is as old as the hills. Kilroy at least has been there and left his name. Discovery not being a matter of writing our name on, the, on a wall, but of seeing what that wall is and what is over there, over it, is a matter of vision. No one, no one can no more say to write stay home than one can say to write leave home. It is the writing that makes its own rules and conditions for each person. And though place is home, it is for the writer writing simply locus. It is where the particular story he writes can be pinned down, the circle it can spin through and keep the state of grace for that, so that for the story's duration, the rest of the story suspends its claim upon it and lies low as the story in peaceful extension, the locusts fading off into the blue. Naturally, it is the very breath of life, whether one writes a word of fiction or not, or go out and see where it is to be seen of the world. For the artist is to be unwillingly willing to move mentally or spiritually or physically out of the familiar is a sign that spiritual timidity or poverty or decay has come upon him for what is familiar will then have turned into all that is tyrannical I can only say writers must always write best of what they know and sometimes they do by staying where they know it It seems plain that the art that speaks most clearly, explicitly, directly, and passionately comes from its place of origin, will remain the longest understood. It is through place that we put out roots wherever birth, chance, fate, or our traveling self set us down. But where those roots reach towards, whether in America or England or Timbuktu, it is the deep and running vein, eternal and consistent and everywhere purely itself that feeds and is fed by the human understanding. The challenge to writers today, I think, is not to disown any part of our heritage. Whatever our theme in writing, it is old and tried. Whatever our place, it's been visited by the stranger. It will never be new again. It is only the vision that can be new. But that is enough.